And we are back with Something Gate, episode 47. This is Jared Samson sitting here with my buddy, Stephen Michael Bartis. Steve, how are you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? Oh, great, dude. Great. It's been a good holiday season. The last show we had, we were able to have all the guys over and some chit-chat and all kinds of fun things. Remember, you're not wrong. All the pizza. You're just an asshole. <laughs> so... How you been, man? How was, uh, you know, the holidays for you and all that? Oh, the holidays are great. Uh, you know, it's moved past the, the point where I'm excited about getting presents and more excited to see how my nephews react to their presents, Absolutely. which is always hilarious. Um, my brother's dog loves me even more now because I got her a present, and she was super excited about that. That's awesome. Which is great. So now I have... You know, 120-pound attack dog on my side at any time. <laughs> I've noticed that you befriend animals pretty darn quick. When animals love me. I don't know what it is. The only animal that doesn't love me is Tim's dog and, I, La- and Lana. But I'm convinced Lana's not actually an animal but more of a spawn of Satan. <laughs> she can be a pain in the ass. Watch actually a really cool thing. Uh, I've been kind of into documentaries a lot on Netflix lately. So I watch this one on a strong man named Eddie Hall. And then... Claire and I were watching, uh, watch this one on the, the lion in your living room. It's a documentary on cats. Uh, on house cats. Yeah, yeah, Claire, yeah, Claire was like, it's actually supposed to be really good, so we sat down <laughs> and watched it. It was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Kind of gives you a little bit of insight into those psycho animals. <laughs> so, the holidays for me were pretty darn good. I was able to get some vacation time and actually relax for the first time in a while. A lot of times I've gone up to see my folks in, uh, Michigan, I've been getting called back earlier. Yeah, that sucked that last time where you just got there and, like, cracked a beer, and they're like, ring. <laughs> yeah, so it's been kind of stressful this year. I mean, not every time, but it felt like every time I was sure, getting called sure. back. But actually being on vacation this time and having really good guys and girls that I work with at work able to back me up and really let me, it let me really be able to take a good vacation to where I was able to, I was actually able to relax the entire time I was there. Good, man. Well, you deserve it for sure. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we were able to have Claire's folks over on Christmas Eve, which was nice. So we got to spend Christmas Eve with them. They stayed the night and we got to open presents the next day. That was really cool. And then we stayed home with, you know, with just our family on Christmas Day. And then the next day we went up and saw my folks. That was really chill. That's awesome. Yeah, it was good weather, good trip. I mean, it was, I think... I think the weather when we got to Michigan on Monday was, it ended up being 51 degrees. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And uh, we ended up coming back, and then we, uh, my sister took the kids for New Year's Eve, and we had our New Year's party, which was awesome. Yes, it was. And we kind of got into the, uh, it's becoming a tradition, and I kind of dig it. The uh, day, the New Year's Day movie marathon. <laughs> it's something that we didn't plan on doing last year. And it kind of happened, and then I said, fuck it, let's do it this year. I loved it, man. What about what do you think? Oh, it was great. It's just nice. You wake it's up, you get the breakfast casserole. Yeah, there's nothing better than breakfast casserole followed by pizza, you know, in between movies. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, I mean, I'm not like the other people on the network. I love Comcast. Um, <laughs> they give me a good fair price for what I get from them, and I have the fastest internet, and it's never out. So knock on wood. Uh, Comcast, if you want to sponsor this, feel free. But uh, every New Year's Day, they run deals on Comcast. So 
Uh, movies that are usually anywhere from fifteen to eighteen dollars, they put on sale from anywhere from four ninety nine to nine ninety nine, depending on how long it's been on. I usually tend to go for the nine ninety nine movies because those are the ones that are you know more recent. So we watched a couple of them on New Year's Day. Uh, first one we started off with was Magnificent Seven. That's one that Claire and I bought a couple days prior because we, I love Denzel Washington and I love Chris Pratt. And Claire agrees with me. I mean, then you got Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> in it, too. You really can't go wrong with that movie. Uh, you watched it, Steve. Did you have you had you seen it prior to that? Uh, not the new one. No, I've, I've seen the original uh, with uh, Steve McQueen. I have times. not seen that. Oh, it's it's good for a Western. Yeah. So what did you think of the new one? I thought it was great. It, it was. Um, it was excellent casting. Uh, I thought the plot moved along really well. And there's a lot of good one liners in there. And. That, that was There's a lot of gunfights. <laughs> what else do you want in the Western? I thought it was really good. It was exactly what I wanted from Denzel and Chris Pratt. It was Denzel Washington being Denzel. It was Chris Pratt yeah. being Chris Pratt. And Vincent D'Onofrio being the oddball, <laughs> weird guy in the group Man, that's you know, a badass. The, the more I see Vincent D'Onofrio, the more pissed off I get at Jurassic World. I know, because, right? It's like such a waste of his range. I know. Like you already have the Indominus Rex as your bad guy. You have Chris Pratt as your good guy. So Vincent D'Onofrio should have been your anti-hero as opposed to your like secondary bad guy, because he's just oh, it's just oh, what a waste. It could have been a great character in the next one coming up, just like sure. a recurring character that really is you know behind. You know, Kingpin style, moving things sure, behind he, the scenes, but... You know, he could have been, you know, the head of Biosyn, which is the company that Dogson and Nedry worked for in the first Jurassic Park. And, you know, they, oh, it's just such a, such a waste of a great act, character actor. Yeah, I think, I think he's fantastic. The movie we watched after that was War Dogs. Mm-hmm. Did you... I know you had to leave earlier that day. Did you... No, I finished War Dogs. Well, I you left leave, during... I had to leave during The Neighbors, okay. unfortunately. So what did you think of War Dogs? Um... Kind of depressing, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm 22 and I just made 3.4 million dollars on this deal. Eh, fuck you. <laughs> Glad you got caught, motherfucker. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, no, it was it was an interesting story for sure. Uh, I would like to actually. They said it was based on a true story. I'd like to get the actual facts of the case and you know kind of delve into something like that like what a what a fucked up situation and right way to take advantage of something i know and then and then not giving anything away but the way that it all gets taken apart yeah is just like really man come on be nice to people i i loved it i thought it was really good i'm not a real big fan of miles teller i mean he's he's a good actor i enjoy i find myself enjoying the movies in movies he's in aside from fantastic four (laughs) But just him as an actor is not enough to bring me to a movie. Right. I don't go, oh, Miles Teller, I'm watching yeah. that movie. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? So, and I'm not the same way with Jonah Hill either. There, there wasn't that character in it or that person in it to bring me to that movie. Mm-hmm. But the premise of it is what really made me want to see it. Yeah, and sure. I was not, I was not let down. No, that was definitely, yeah, definitely worth a rental at least. Um, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's one of those that was like a really good movie. Like I think we've talked about uh, Now You See Me. Really good movie. Have no desire to watch it again or buy it. Right, but, and Now You See Me too was terrible. Oh, I didn't. Even yeah, know. It wasn't bad. I really liked Woody Allen's acting, and it was fun. Not Woody Allen. Woody Harrelson's acting in it. It was fun. <laughs> Could you imagine Woody Allen in that film? <laughs> but, 
You see, now, now you see me, and uh, now you don't. <laughs> but for those two movies, if you kind of go for our whole, you know, rent to buy it thing, I think, personally for me, Magnificent Seven's a purchase yeah, to buy. Absolutely. I bought it. I'm happy I bought it. <laughs> War Dogs, I bought it because it was damn it was damn near the same price to rent it as buy yeah. it. So in that case, I'm always going to buy a movie. Sure. Because I just like being able to... I do a lot of stuff around the house, like when I'm playing yeah. games, playing tabletops, things like that. I like to just throw a movie on and have it on. So. I'll probably pick up Magnificent Seven when uh, Rogue One and uh, Doctor Strange all hit Blu-ray. I'll probably go and you know throw down a pile of uh, DVD, Blu-rays at Best Buy and be like, man, I want one of these and one of these and one of these and one of these. Mama Claire is wearing her glasses. <laughs> Mama Claire's getting ready for a buddy bye. Oh. <laughs> uh, War Dogs, I think that if I would, I, I would say totally watch it, but I think it's a one-time watcher. I, I don't even know if I would watch it again. With mm-hmm. a, like, it's one of those that some you, you, talk, you talk to somebody about it and they say, oh, I haven't seen it. And you say, oh, it was good. Let's watch it. Yeah. You know, that's one of those. I, I, I'm never going to be sitting at home and be like, what should I fall asleep to tonight? Oh, War Dogs. I call it usual suspects movies okay. because that's my penultimate. <laughs> that movie is you see it once and that's all you need to see it. Yep. Not giving anything away at the end, but there's a, Once you know the twist, once you right. know the ending, it's... Yeah. It's it's, you know, you, you could just as easily be called The Sixth Sense, The Blair Witch, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. You know, it's like The Village, M. Night Shyamalan, Malamalan, and The Valor Jar Jar Jar. <laughs> so, Neighbors 2. How did you get to see I only most saw, of it? I, I saw the beginning credits before I had to bounce. Okay, unfortunately, yeah. I didn't see any of that. So, on my account, it is the exact same thing as the first movie. I had no doubt. Which for me is a it's fantastic fine. thing because <laughs> I loved the first movie and I wanted to see more of the first movie. So it was awesome. I bought it. It's one that I'm going to watch again and again and again. But it's not going to be, I'm not going to watch it nearly as much as Popstar, but it's going to be one that I'll pop on <laughs> and just giggle because I find Seth Rogen funny. I can find him annoying at times, but I find him much funnier at times than annoying. So I, I thought it was pretty darn good. Um, prior to that, Claire and I had watched Bad Moms after we rented, after we bought Magnificent Seven. Bad Mom, excuse me, Bad Moms was hilarious. That was a blast of a movie. I wish I would have bought that. If I got to reshuffle everything, I wish I would have rented <laughs> War Dogs and bought Bad Moms. You know what I mean? But you kind of go back in time, you got to kind of roll with it. So, we we usually don't talk about a bunch of stuff that we watch. We usually leave that up to Adam and Rodney, but mm-hmm. you and I have also been watching a lot of Netflix lately. That's true. So, what you been checking out on there? Um, well, I'm in the middle of Season 3 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I decided to, I've been hearing a lot of good things about Season 4. So I stopped halfway through season two, and I have not seen any part of season three until now when I'm in the, the current mode. Um, still have my same qualms with it that I had, but uh, the story is at least progressing. There's some really great performances um, by uh, Grant Ward in particular, especially since, uh, spoiler alert, he becomes the big bad and does a really excellent job of going from that, you know, sort of quippy but down-to-business secret agent to just stone-cold bad guy. And really, really great performance is pretty much all that's keeping me going right now. Because some of your storylines are pushing it. Are they? (laughs) Yeah. And And that's coming as a fan of the series. So... 
Uh, definitely worth a watch if you haven't checked it out. If you enjoy the Marvel movies or, you know, that kind of world. Or even if you just, you know, have an affinity for, you know, gadgets and uh, James Bondy type stuff, that's all good too. That's cool. I, I liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it was on. It kind of died off on season two as well. I've watched a, just like the first part of the first episode of the Ghost Rider series one. I've got it on my DVR. I'm going to eventually watch it. I usually think, but I never find myself going back. Right. Especially when I sit down and <clears throat> I've got time to watch other things. I still haven't started Westworld. I want to watch Westworld. <laughs> I still haven't started that. So it's in my queue of things I want to watch, but it's just not working its way up the priority list yeah. yet. And as, as sad as, as it is to say, you're somebody that I really value their opinion when it comes to movies and TV and stuff. Why is that no, sad on. to say? No, the sad to say part. No, that's a good thing. The sad part for me is that I, you can instantly sour a show for me. So as soon as you started calling it Agents of Inhuman a while ago, I was like, I'm out, I'm done, I don't care anymore. And I stopped watching it. As soon as you told me that you didn't like Arrow, I was like, I'm, not, I'm done, I'm out. I don't think I ever said that. Well, you, yeah, as Claire shakes her head, you said it was terrible. You never said it was terrible. Well, I said it fell off. Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Ooh, season, was that season two of Voltron coming January 20th? Is that what that said? Go back. Yes. Breaking news. <laughs> season two of Voltron on Netflix is coming January 20th, which is awesome. But, yeah, so. I really respect your opinion, so like when it's time to watch a movie or see a movie or something that you like, I'm all over it. Like Spectral. Oh, we're going to take advantage of this at some point. <laughs> Jared, you should totally watch this. That'll be the last time I trust Steve. <laughs> yeah. Until the next time. Well, I gave a show a shot on Netflix that I wasn't expecting to really dig, but we gave it a shot. It was Comedy Bang Bang. Okay. With Scott Ackerman and Reggie Watts, because I really dig Reggie Watts as a comedian. And just, like, the, the off-the-wall, stream-of-consciousness style of comedy, you know, this hipster style of comedy, I kind of dig it. Mm-hmm. And that show is hilarious to me. It's quippy, it's quirky, it's odd, it's off-the-wall. It's a, it's basically like a fake, new, uh, fake interview, you know, a la Daily Show mm-hmm. type thing. But it's all script, it's sketch-scripted comedy with definite influence from improv and you have a lot of famous actors and stuff getting in on this show and doing characters and things like that it just makes it a blast to watch you really don't know what's going to happen each episode you have two guests and then usually there's an overarching backstory line it's just really funny Mm -hmm. and if you like if you're a person that likes reggie watts and is familiar with with his work it's really good so it's something i found that's a lot of fun and there's like five seasons of it on netflix right now so it costs you (laughs) nothing to try it out and only 22 minute episodes so so it makes it work pretty good so, having said that about all of the movies there, <laughs> I know we're going to do the Rogue One group talk. Okay. But we went and saw it at IPIC. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to delve deep into this or anything, but I think we owe it to ourselves to at least give our opinion, because the guys are going to hear this and before we go, get to the next episode as a group. So, what'd you think? I thought it was great. Um, like probably right behind Empire Strikes Back in the Star Wars mythos as far as I'm concerned. So my second favorite movie of the entire series. Um, Really well shot, great storyline, and thank you 
for letting it end. Thank you for not trying to make it a series and trying to, you know, make... I don't want to spoil anything for the people who have somehow not seen it or... You okay, know, so, uh, warning, spoiler alert, <laughs> and don't get mad at us anymore, but go on. So, you know, having the guts to kill your entire cast is something I haven't seen in a long time. And I... Sounds weird, but thank you for that, because it was a specific moment in time in the series that gives you a great lead-in to the original trilogy, and that's all it had to be, and I'm glad you're not going to try and retroactively work these characters in behind the scenes and, you know, have them, you know, running around Cloud City, you know, in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, or, you right. know, have them... You know, rescue Boba Fett on Tatooine. In the only the, Jedi the only thing that I heard that like they that. that that may take place is that a couple of the characters may or one of the characters may cross paths with Han Solo in the Han Solo movie, which takes place prior to this anyway. So <laughs> so I'll give you that. Like if you want to prequel this shit up, fine. <laughs> but I like that there's a finite point in time where it's over. Yep. This Rogue One, you know, the group Rogue One is dead. Yep, the end. As Claire calls it, all my friends are dead. <laughs> I loved it. Um, I think it's unfair to put it in... I mean, it's part of Star Wars canon, you know, but I think it's unfair to put it in the Skywalker story arc because it's not really part of the Skywalker story arc where, it, you know, the Star Wars movies themselves, the episode one through seven as they stand currently, are about... Anakin and Luke. It's the fallen redemption of Darth Vader. Right. So I think it's hard to include this movie, which is literally a blip on that storyline as yeah. part of that. I think it's more of, um, you know, a lot of people don't remember the Ewok adventure, but, they, you know, that's technically a Star Wars story. Right, exactly. So it's, I love it. It's a spinoff, and right. it's a it, great spinoff. And that's why I hate, like, you know, people, oh, this is, you know... People will say, oh, this is, as like you said, as good as Empire. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm with you. I, and everybody can have their own favorite movies. I just don't think that it's fair, good or bad, to compare this movie apples to apples with the other ones. Because it's a different style of movie. This is, this is a war movie. It's not a, it's not a swashbuckler. You know? Yeah, fair enough. But <clears throat> having said that, I think it's completely okay to say I like it as much or in this same area, yeah. but I just don't think it's exactly fair to the movie. To, to Yeah, I mean, it has the greatest robot in all of movie history. You mean Steve Barter robot? Yes. K2SMB? Yes. <laughs> that was so awesome when we walked in. I'm like, oh, huh. they made Steve a character in Star Wars. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> I loved it. Um... I would say that's a that's a day one purchase. I don't even though I know the ending. I thought I thought the scenes were great. I loved the throwbacks to everything. I loved the CG in it. I loved the way that they brought back characters and, and kind of gave nods to the different parts parts of stores. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they definitely brought the biggest plot hole in the Skywalker storyline. The entire question of why are you able to blow up the Death Star with two proton <laughs> torpedoes to the Because of the Force, port? Jared. The Force, that's why. 
You know, it's it's one of those things people have speculated for years and years and years, and now they said, yeah, yeah, that, that that's what happened. <laughs> I love it. I thought it was great. Yeah, that was that was a great, you know, that was a great move. And so, um, Mads Mikkelsen better in this or better in uh, Doctor Strange? Um, I'm gonna say in this. I agree, and it's not because I like this more than Doctor Strange. I just thought. Well, he I had liked more, his he character. Had more that, of a character, yeah. Yeah, he was just he was just as opposed to comic know, bad guy, exactly with Rooney mascara. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I still the the biggest question to me in the Star Wars universe is why does the Empire continue to waste money on stormtrooper armor when it is worthless? <laughs> I'm gonna punch you in your armored face, and you're gonna get knocked out. I I don't understand how that's a thing. Unless you're tan armor, then you're then you're better. See. <laughs> yes. We're running around in jungle terrain. Wear white armor. Great idea. <laughs> because Brilliant. again, tactics. Beautiful. So let's see, we got episode eight coming out this year, don't we? It's gonna be pretty sweet. Correct. Looking forward to it. Did you hear the thing to where Daisy Ridley said that at the end of at the end? She was watching or something, and they were kind of bringing up the thing about how people are so wondering about who her parents are. Uh-huh. And she goes, well, I, I thought that from watching the movie, it was pretty apparent. <laughs> you know, that's what she said. I mean, do you, have you heard that? Uh, I have not, because I, I like this new series of movies, and I don't want to get involved with all of the you know fan theories and stuff like that. We had our big episode about it. I said my piece. And I just kind of want to leave it at that. I want, I want them to tell me what's going on. I don't want to write it in my head and then be mad that it's not what I right. Wrote in I, my head. I understand. <laughs> after after this year of um, episode seven, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, and Civil War. Like, after after those movies and the trailers and how insane I was about wanting to watch the trailers on that, I've decided I really don't watch, I don't watch them anymore. I do not watch trailers anymore. I mean, I'll watch the ones on TV, but I don't find myself seeking out the next trailer, next teaser, something like that. Yeah, you know, right. even with Spider-Man Homecoming, when it, exactly. when it came out, yeah. I watched the first one, cool, happy with it, I got to see little glimpses of stuff, I'm done. I'm not watching another one. Mm-hmm. Unless it's, you know, given, to, I'm not going to seek them out like I used to. Sure. Because I sat there when, when... All the trailers are coming out for episode seven. I was dissecting them, trying to figure shit out. <laughs> and I was still able to sit back and watch a movie and enjoy it because I think I just kind of gave in to, you know, the whole childhood, like, just give me a good movie, okay? Yeah, I'm along for the ride with the Star Wars stuff. But when it came to Suicide Squad, Batman vs. Superman... And Civil War, I was hypercritical of those movies. Oh, were you? <laughs> I, mean, I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, luckily for Marvel, ha, they got my stamp of approval. Aren't you guys lucky? I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're really yeah. to have that. <laughs> but I just found myself picking everything apart. And even the even if Batman vs. Superman would have been a good movie, I don't think it... Like, And I'm not saying a great movie, just like if it would have been a C... Mm-hmm. With how much I do, like dug into it, trying to figure shit out prior to and and, and pick it apart, it, there's no the movie that I wanted that I built up in my head exactly could have never been lived up to. So why why would I set myself up for that for that kind of disappointment in a movie theater? Why? 
So I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. Like, that's what Doctor Strange. I didn't watch any, any previews of. I just went and saw it. I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Not one of my favorites, but like still a B plus. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to grade it. In my opinion, it's very hard to grade one of the newer Marvel movies bad. Yeah. You can't. But when you're comparing supermodel to supermodel, you got to kind of rank them. Do you? <laughs> yeah, so otherwise they'll have self-confidence. They, they, have, they have this thing in college called pass-fail. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Well, Doctor Strange was a pass. Just not good enough of a pass as others. Uh, you're missing the point, Jared. <laughs> ah, no, I get it. I'm with you. So that brings me to a topic that I, that I flagged on Facebook a little while ago that I kind of wanted to go over. And what this is, <clears throat> this is from Ranker, and it's the 12 most emotional moments in Marvel Comics history. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> have, you, have you read this? I have not. So I just kind of want to bring them up. It's 12 of them. They're pretty quick. I'm not looking for a huge discussion on it, but I want to know if you're familiar with the part, what you thought. Did, it, did you think it's an emotional thing? Did it have an emotional effect on you if you remember it? So I just kind of want to go through them. Okay. Okay. going to go real quick. <laughs> it probably will. So according to this, the number one comic event was Spider-Man faces 9-11 head on where he's he's looking over the rubble uh-huh. of 9-11. I have that issue. Do you? Black, so Black cover issue. Did you read it? Yes, I did. Okay, so this is one that I didn't. Mm-hmm. So did when you read it, did you... Did the comic, maybe not the scene, but like the whole the comic, what did you take out of it? Um, well, the artwork was spectacular. Um, yeah, that looks, it does look really it, good. It was, you know, it was really powerful and... I want to say, does it say who the author was in it? Because it's one of two people, and I don't want to say the wrong one. Uh, it does not on this article. Okay. I want to say, and don't quote me on this, that it was J. Michael Straczynski uh, when he first began his run. Like, he just took over the series when that happened, and that was his first book before he kicked off his first story arc. Okay. Um, so, having a new writer and a new artist on, um, you know, The Amazing Spider-Man. I believe it was Volume 2 at that point, but again, don't quote me on that, because I know that they went back. Yeah, this was Amazing Spider-Man number 36, almost yeah. been Volume 2. Yeah, so Volume 2, um, Issue 36. And the, you know, it wasn't like a big story or anything where, you know, Spider-Man was trying to stop the terrorists. No, it takes place in the aftermath, and right. he's just on the ground with the firefighters and the policemen, cleaning shit up mm-hmm. and you know thinking to himself about the the event and it was i would have to say yeah if, if there's a comic book that's could be considered powerful that's definitely on the list cool number two the death of captain america don't care <laughs> yep so uh you know it's you know it, by the time that came around you, you know that it's only going to be a temporary situation and it's just there for the, for the gasp, and you know, not uh, not something that I ever thought was going to stick. And lo and behold, it didn't. Right, I agree with you on that. I I like the way that it kind of wrapped up Civil War, the way it kind of just put the, for lack of a better term, put the nail in the coffin of the storyline. Yeah, and, I just wish it would have been somebody besides Crossbones because the fuck is Crossbones, really? Right. He gets blowed up in Civil War. Yes, he does. Number three. Going back to Spider-Man, mm-hmm. the death of Gwen Stacy. Huge. Um, 1973. Have, have both of those issues. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, one of the first instances of a comic book hero not saving the day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the writing was even left open to let the reader decide if it was the Goblin's fault or Peter's fault that Gwen died. Right, that's one of the things they bring up in this, is that subsequent issues involve Spidey questioning the exact cause of Gwen's death. Was it the shock from the fall? Did he inadvertently kill her with his webbing, snap her neck due to the force of the whiplash? The arc deals with the guilt that grief brings in a truly heartfelt way. Yeah, and, you know, offing a Tier 1 character, not, uh, not an easy thing to do, and... Even though, again, no one stays dead in comic books for very long that they took it back. But uh, at the time, uh, a huge, huge impact. Yeah. You look at this scene from 73, and I understand that that's a certain time in comic books. I wish you could. I like. I wish they could redraw this scene because, like, yeah, because you know, in the, it's in so the, in the ultimate line. You know, Gwen Stacy dies a much different way. So uh, I would. I really would have loved to see Mark Bagley's take on something like that. Right. But um, <clears throat> even for the time, you know, it was there was no shying away from it. Like they just they went for it, and it was uh, a pretty heavy, pretty heavy moment. Yep. Number four, the mind control of Jessica Jones. And specifically what this is, is the spot where Kilgrave, Purple Man, mind controls her and forces her to watch him rape other girls. Mm. Uh, I did not read that. Um, I only became familiar with uh, Jessica Jones after the television series. So Yeah, I, I wasn't familiar with this comic book with this with Jessica Jones really at all until the series hit, mm-hmm. and then especially this scene or, or this book at all. But, you know, the thing it says here is Jessica is mind-controlled and raped by Kilgrave Purple Man in the, in, in the uh, TV show, but in the comics, Jessica is also mind-controlled but is told to stand next to Kilgrave and watch helplessly as he rapes other women, commanding Jessica to wish it was her and commanding her to cry. It's all told second, like, this is yeah. a retelling of it in the story. I mean, that would be, like, I, that would be something that would make me go, ugh, reading yeah, it. You know what I mean? That's brutal. Just even, I mean, even this one panel in that description, I was like, ugh. Nope, emotional, no, creepy, yeah. I mean, I mean, emotional doesn't always mean, like, I'm going to cry or whatever. So I guess you could definitely call that emotional. Um, number five, Kitty Pride's Great Sacrifice. Uh, I only became familiar with this recently where uh, she saved the planet by phasing something through it. Yep. But then uh, she couldn't get away. Yeah, and so. Had to take one for the team. Yep, so in Giant Size, Astonishing X Men number one, Kitty phases a massive 10 mile long bullet made of alien metals through the Earth, saving the planet and countless lives before drifting off into space, never to be seen again. And this, this scene, this panel here, is her and herself kind of like having a mm-hmm. like a back and forth discussion and you know she just is like it's yeah. time I gotta but to, to me that's kind of like really of all the shit the X-Men have you don't have a spaceship yep you know there's no one who can fly out there and grab you I hear you man there's no, there's no telekinesis it seems like a, a like the death of Captain America it's just like ooh we're gonna kill a character yeah I mean and especially even with that, you know, even if you're not dead in, in the comics or whatever, being hurled off into space... Yeah, kind of a downer. I mean, she is a human, and I guess she could probably phase out of this reality or whatever, but it just, I mean, that's one of my fears is, like, not not legitimate fears, but, like... Drifting off into space? Well, I, no, but, like, I've had dreams about it and shit like that. It'd just be awful. It'd be terrifying. Um... I, or even think about being, like, in the middle of the ocean. I, you know, something like that would still be awful to me, too. 
Number six, the death of Jean Grey. Which time? The first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before uh, she before she gets the Phoenix Force power and everything. I'm like, I, I just kind of don't care anymore. It's like it's happened so many times that I'm just desensitized I, to it. I do kind of want to find out how many times her and her clones have died. Like, yeah. it's, there's got, it's almost like, it's almost a shtick at Like this a point. ticker? Yeah. Just like a... It, like, it's almost, it's like a running, it's a parody of itself at this point. Like, really? Yeah. Uh, but, so, okay, her original death, um, wasn't a comic collector uh, at the time, didn't really know anything about it or anything until they did the Dark Phoenix as part of the X-Men cartoon show back right. in the 90s. Right, me too. Same, same here. Um, so... At the time, maybe it was a big deal. Um, don't own it, never read it. Couldn't gotcha. Yeah, um, this, I, I read the, it's it's written very small in here, but I read it a while ago. And uh, Scott Cyclops, like, sit here, sits here and just, like, spells everything out. Oh, you, I see now, you were trying to fight, like, it's just, like, completely not sure. in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so 19 not. <laughs> so, yeah, Jean Grey dying, yeah, that sucks, and I could see how that could be emotional, but, like, the way that it's played out, not. Not in my opinion. Number seven, uh, no more mutants. When Wanda Maximoff blinks mutants out oh, of existence. Yeah. Um, well, it's what you get when Fox screws shit up and <laughs> yep. big... You know, Big Brother Marvel doesn't want you to have their properties anymore. They're going to kill everybody off. Mm-hmm. And how can we do it? But with a property that we still own. Yep. So, um, more of a... It's just kind of like, okay, well, we just erased this entire... You know, species or you know genre of the comic book... Uh, uh, comic book universe is just gone. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are you going to do? You can't be like, oh my god, bring them back, or you know, anything like that. So, right, it's almost too extreme to be taken seriously. So it lessens the impact. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because it just she's so powerful. Like in the thing that she's like the things she's gone through as a character. That's why I was really happy to see her come. Into the into the Avengers fold and everything, because I really like the character. I've always I've always liked that character and just the stuff that she's gone through and dealt with and not blinked reality out of existence <laughs> is impressive to me because she's pretty much all powerful at this point. You know, it's so so wiping out the edX gene that like emotional, yeah, because of what she was doing and because she was manipulated in, in creating this perfect world, and then it was just crazy. They. They pulled this one, but I don't really want to go over it because it's like Darth Vader learning about Luke. So in the in the as soon as Disney acquired the license, they started making comics. Yep, and they had made comics and novels and every all the legends right. stuff um, that is no longer officially part of the continuity, but is just not ignored. Right. Um, you know, no firsthand experience to it. Um, the way that I came across that was way back when uh, Shadows of the Empire came out, the novel that takes place in between um, Empire and Jedi. You know, there's a brief story 
of Vader finding out that uh, Luke is his son and mm-hmm. making the decision to go after uh, them in Empire. Mm-hmm. So th- that, as a comic book moment, is irrelevant to me. That's kind of way that I looked at it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's not. Yeah, it's not wrong, but I just it just do, does not apply. In you this. Know, when you our discussion of Rogue One aside, when you go back in time to tell a story that we already know yeah. the ending to. There's not going to be any, you know, emotional punch in that. And to bring up a really bad example of it, the third Underworld film that was the origin of yeah. the war between the vampires yeah, and, the, and the world. Great entry to the series, you know, some great yeah. action in it. But if you're going to watch like, the series, watch three one two. Yes, and it's just like, well, you know, this was great, but we kind of knew where it was going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is kind of also the. Kind of the issue with the prequels in Star Wars. Sure. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we know. And, yeah, I, get, I don't... Get yeah. to the bloody point. Right, yeah, this little kid is going to... Is need, Anakin Skywalker... Is gonna, I don't have to watch pod racing for a half hour to know right. that he gets off Tatooine. By the way, fantastic <laughs> Nintendo 64 game. That game was awesome. Sure. Number nine, Scarlet Witch learning her children aren't real. That was brutal. Yep. That was not cool at all. <laughs> oh, it was a 1980s run Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries and uh, Avengers West Coast number 52. It was revealed that the twin boys of Scarlet Witch and the Vision didn't actually exist. Wanda was so desperate to have children with the love of her life, Vision, that she altered reality and in the process, unbeknownst to her, created her children from two fragments of a shattered soul of the demon Mephisto. Mm-hmm. In this run, her children are kidnapped and reabsorbed by Mephisto, effectively killing them and driving Wanda into madness. Yeah. So that, in my opinion, is a pretty darn emotional event, and another reason that I can't believe that she hasn't just blinked everybody out of existence. So let's move on from that one. Number ten: Hawkeye losing his hearing. Remember this at all? Nope. Not even on my radar, man. Bobby Drake coming out to himself. Remember this all? I think over? we made fun of this at one point, didn't we? We in did. A couple episodes, like we did back when the. The new young X-Men meant the new old X-Men, and it was all sorts of X-Men everywhere. Yeah, 2015 was a big year for the X-Men franchise. Bobby Drake, a.k.a. Iceman, one of the five original X-Men from 63, came out as gay in all-new X-Men number 40 with the help of an alive pre-Phoenix, Jean Grey. Yeah. He then confronted his older self and confirmed it. Fans of the series have speculated that Bobby might be gay for years, given his relationship history with women and his often hyper-masculine tendencies. For a comic that's effectively been an allegory for the socially oppressed and yet has never had one of its primary heroes to be gay, it's about damn time. Yeah, sure. Wasn't, wasn't North Star openly gay? And they had a whole big wedding and everything. Yeah. Yep. And number 12, the emotional roller coaster that is Billy and Teddy. Who? Yeah. This is a newer, it's uh, from the Young Avengers it's a relationship between two of the young Avengers, so it's just outside of my wheelhouse. So I can't even comment on it really. I thought I thought they, this list was pretty good. It nailed a few of the the high. Yeah, should have definitely points. done that. You know, twelve to one instead of one to twelve. <laughs> yeah. Eh. Eh. So do you think that the Spider-Man faces nine nine eleven is the uh, top one on there? Um. Or Gwen. I would have, I would probably have argued for Gwen or maybe the the death of Aunt May and Amazing Four Hundred yeah. was was a good one. Yeah. 
but unfortunately that's forever tainted by the uh, disdain for the Cold uh, Saga in general. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's as far as Marvel comics go, I think, I think Gwen is probably the, the top, just because it, it, it redefined everything and it yeah. changed the way that stuff was written. I thought they, for as much as I hate the Amazing Spider-Man series, I thought they did a really good job with that scene. Oh, you're talking about the uh, Andrew Garfield yes. films? Yeah. I, I thought I'm that am- scene was spot on. I'm amazed that they had the guts to do it. Right. Um, I was I sh- was surprised. Shitty that, you, shitty that you ruined your whole third act by shoehorning the Green Goblin in out of nowhere to, to do it. Yeah, right. But, okay. Um yeah, I, I could have done without the the web turning into like a hand for you know all the symbolism that was going on. But yeah, like when when she I felt the same way as I felt when Rhodey bounced in Civil War. Yeah, it was like wow, they they did it. Yeah, but, it's actually that's how I felt when they when they sport Superman in Batman vs Superman. Yeah, I mean, they still haven't seen it. Oh well, like that was one of my big. Complaints is that I like I pissed and moaned before I saw the movie about how they're going to do Superman versus Batman when you're not going to kill Superman, mm-hmm. and then I'm watching the movie and they fucking kill Superman. I mean, obviously he's not dead. We know in the comics he's not sure. dead. You get a little glimpse at the end of this movie that he's not dead, but still in that moment in that scene up until that point, yep. he's dead. Mm-hmm. And people that aren't familiar with it, like I remember people were bitching and moaning after the movie, like, "How oh, you killed Superman?" I'm like, "Come on, <laughs> come on." But I was I was I share, I share Summer's reaction. Everybody was yelling about the the Martha thing and how bad the movie was. Nobody mentioned that Superman died. <laughs> <laughs> One of Summer's greatest all time lines. Yep. Um, actually, and I really did like the way that they ended up doing Doomsday in that. Not yeah, you said that that worked out that really well. The so. way when they nuked him. When he, when he came down, I was like, I actually got chill. Like it was a, one of the moments in the movie where I actually got goosebumps and stuff. There were good. That's the thing is like I can't. Let me play like this. I would much rather watch Batman versus Superman than Spider Man three. Okay, much rather. Having never seen Batman versus Superman, probably agree. <laughs> I would rather watch Batman versus Superman than either of the Amazing Spider Mans. Um, I still I, the first Amazing Spider Man wasn't terrible. I just felt robbed because, like we were talking about trailers earlier, mm-hmm. when they first did the initial trailers for that, and they were going to follow, uh, like the Ezekiel storyline, where you know, are you are you sure that getting your powers was an accident? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know that that was an accident? I thought, hey, that's cool. We don't need to retell the origin story. We can go back to it without. You know, right. spending an hour and a half doing it, but no, we spend an hour and a half retelling it uh, for for uh, no reason. <laughs> and I was really, I was excited uh, initially to to see that. I thought Andrew Garfield was a good cast. I thought he did really well. Um, I just i I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but I don't think Peter Parker works for a character anymore in this generation. Mm-hmm. Because they keep trying to stick too close to the comics of, oh, he's a nerdy outcat. It's not bad to be a nerd anymore. Right. It's like the top of pop culture right now. Right. You know? And it's dominating box offices. You can't you're you're not a social outcast if you're really right. if you're really into the shit that's dominating box offices. Right, exactly. So it's like you know, okay, you can you can move that aside and everything, but 
you know, it's just you want to stick close to the source material. I get it, but at the same point, you got to tell a different story, mm-hmm. and that's why we'll withhold our judgments of Homecoming until we actually see it, and we'll give it its proper chance because Civil War pulled it off as best as they could. Yep. Uh, ready to ready to murder you at Marvel vs. Capcom 3 again. <laughs> I'm so happy that's back out, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so let me ask you this. Goonies, a yay or nay for you? Never seen it. Really? Never seen it. Wow. At least I've never made the conscious effort to watch it. You know, back when, before cable and everything, when they would show movies every Sunday on right. Channel 50 and Channel 32 or whatever. I'm sure I've been exposed to it at some point. Sure. But other than that, uh, meh. Meh. It, uh, I'm not a Goonies guy. Like, it, it's fine. It, meh. I don't really care for it. I don't really think anything's wrong with it. But it's just not one of my... You know, that's kind of the thing that we were talking about on the podcast, Peep saying is when I brought up the stuff about uh, Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. I don't need to watch Goodwill Hunting. I've seen all the famous scenes from Goodwill <laughs> Hunting. I don't need to sit down for two and a half hours and watch that movie. Mm-hmm. I get it. I understand it. It's it's damn near the same as being able as watching the Usual Suspects and knowing how it starts, finishes, and ends. You know, yeah, I've never seen it either. Yeah, so it's just like. Eh. I don't know. Oh, damn it, that's where it was. All right. Bear with me here, folks. I'm trying to pull up an article that Steve posted. Freestyle rap So, this article is from geekandsundry.com, and Steve posted it, put my name on it. And this is 15 of the craziest superstitions about dice. <laughs> it's funny because you do all these. It's kind of funny because I, I wanted to go through them and see. So those of you out here that out there that may be tabletop gamers or pen and paper RPGers, I'm or sure you have. if you just hate Monopoly. <laughs> yep. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. But I'm sure some of you may have dice bags, may have certain sets of dice you use, you won't use, certain dice that you've thrown out, whipped across a room, thrown in the trash can. And certain ones that you keep in separate bags away from other ones. Destroyed with a circular saw, melted. <laughs> so these are some of the uh, superstitions, I believe, about uh, about dice, yeah. So number one, don't roll the die before you need it because you'll use up your good rolls. <laughs> Do you agree? absolutely true, yep. yes. <laughs> I this, agree 100%. This happened this week with my nephew playing Monopoly. <laughs> because... You know, Zach loves to take the dice and, you know, hold them in his hand and, you know, throw them around before it's his turn. Uh-huh. And he ended up rolling boxcars, and it wasn't his turn, and he's like, but I just rolled a 12. I was like, no, you didn't. Exactly. Learn young, young man. <laughs> Always roll out the bad rolls before you need the die. I disagree with that, because because I believe in the number, in the first bullet point. <laughs> yes. Don't touch the dice till you need them. Once you have a good roll, don't let the die sit idle for too long, lest it get cold. You've got to keep it warm. Really? Absolutely. Really? It's called hey. a hot streak, Jared, not a sit-by-itself sit streak. Maybe that's why my dice don't like me. Yes, well, <laughs> you don't treat them well. Your first set of dice is sacred. Don't ever discard or mix them with other dice. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I disagree I don't know that. where my first pair of dice I probably are. threw mine away because they rolled ones. 
Always lay your dice with the lowest number facing up. Yeah. You agree with that? Absolutely. So, because then the light's going to fade that side and ultimately make it way less so that you can roll them better. That's ridiculously wrong. <laughs> Always lay your dice with the highest possible number facing up. Also true. Because reasons. <laughs> uh, I don't do either of those, but I have found myself, when I'm getting to certain moments in games, or if I need to make a roll... I especially if it's a specific number, I will put the I will roll that dice to that side. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm playing with my dice, waiting for my turn, I will roll either the die or a set of dice to that to those numbers. To yeah, me. and in the you know when I have them in the display case and whatnot, um, I always have them facing higher digits. Oh, do you? Oh, hmm. never allow anyone else to roll your dice. Sharing is not caring. Sharing lets the monstrous bad luck demon that makes you roll poorly. Your gremlins have. Ruined more Just of kidding, my it's dice Satan ever. himself. <laughs> Your gremlins have ruined more of my dice than I can count, so no, I don't let you use them. Would you rather use a brand new set of dice that you bought, okay? So would you rather that, that you have yet to roll, so we're playing a game, okay? And it, we're even right now, alright? Would you rather use a brand new set of dice unopened, or a set of dice that you love that have had one of my dice find their way into it. No, the new dice, because your <laughs> dice are bad. You have all sorts of negative energy on your <laughs> dice, and they ruin mine. Specific dice are used for specific situations. There's an attack roll D20, a D20 for saving throws, a different D20 for skill checks, a D20 to seduce red-haired, one-eyed, beard, bearded dwarven women named Irene, etc. Uh, no, because that uh, would give the illusion of... Uh, Waiting or cheating. Mm, fair enough. So you got to use your you got to use your same set for everything. Fair enough. I agree with that. Um, a new die must be tested. Keep the new die separated. Roll it twenty five times. Count the number of times the max roll appears versus the minimum roll. If the maximum is greater. That's a successful turnout. Repeat the process. If the die fails the test three times. Get rid of it. Oh, did you pay four hundred dollars for that d twenty made a nine twenty five sterling silver? Too bad. It's trash. Um, I'm actually going to agree with this. Not necessarily with, like, precision dice, uh-huh. but, you know, dice that you just pick up from the game store or that are new out of, like, a, a starter box. Absolutely, because the way that they're... They're basically inject- injection molded, and the mold is going to settle at a different spot on the die. Uh-huh. If it happens to be on a high roll, it or on a high side, it will roll. There is a reason high. that casino dice are casino dice. Yes. Because those are precision crafted. Yes. Your standard mold, they're, they're especially molded, like in a Milton Bradley. Yep. Like, I get it. That's, I don't know if I go to that extent, but if you, like, that's why, like, if I get a brick of D, like, a brick of D6s, mm-hmm. and I get ones that are consistently rolling low, I will throw them out. Mm-hmm. I have, yeah. I have no it problem, is, or I'll put them in the giant D6 bucket. Yes, yeah, so there, there is a legitimate scientific reason behind bad dice. I agree with that. And also Jared's cursed. Also that. <laughs> if the status of a die's luck is in question, keep it separated from the rest of the dice, lest it bring down the luck of the others. Yes. See previous statement. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, some believe mixing a single unlucky die with several lucky ones will make it roll better. No. <laughs> See, previous, previous statement. <laughs> there are various rituals to prime or cleanse the dice before use. They range from leaving them in a special place for a day to rubbing them on tombstone of a deceased game developer. No. Agreed. Teach a particularly bad die a lesson by punishing it. This can be putting it in the shame bag or even the freezer. Yes, my bad dice are banished to your dice. <laughs> If a bad die is clearly cursed for all eternity, it must be destroyed while the other dice bear witness. Yes, burn it in effigy. (laughs) 
If you find that one particular die is lucky, you should name it, but not after a significant other, and only use it for very important roles, and should always be kept in a special holder, and you should talk talk to it when you take it out and put it away. Yes, seriously. No, that's just weird. Agree. That's going a little too far, even for us. So if anybody's been paying attention, don't let me touch your dice, don't let my dice interact with your dice, and pay attention to the way your dice roll, because they're not always crafted correctly. That's about the gist of this, right? I say so, yes. <laughs> that was a good article, man. <laughs> I, I that was a good catch. I like that. So I just kind of slipped through here and saw that there was a uh, Mythbusters one on the site, too. What do you... So you said you've been watching the White Rabbit Project, Correct. right? Correct. How's that? I thought it was great. Um, Have you watched all of it? I watched the entire series. How many, yes. how many episodes are there? I want to say six or eight. Okay, and what's white? So, for the people that don't know, what is the White Rabbit okay, Project? Okay, so for people who are familiar with Mythbusters. Yeah, Myth Easy for you to say. Yes. Everybody knows the hosts, Adam and Jamie. You know, they're mm-hmm. the main duo. Uh, but around season two, they brought in what they called their build team, which is Carrie Byron, Tori Belechi, and Grant Imahara. So, be- before their last season. Mythbusters let the three of them go, and they wanted to focus more on the Jamie and Adam uh, interaction as opposed to having all five people on the show. Mm-hmm. So they went off and they did their own respective things for a year and a half, give or take, maybe two years, and then the three of them got back together to do the show specifically for Netflix. It's not as sciencey as Mythbusters. They don't experiment with much, but they take a... They take an idea, and one of the episodes is about superpowers, Mm -hmm. and they each present, like, two things, and they try and say, like, well, this is the most practical superpower, like, here and now. Mm -hmm. And they do a short group of clips on how they can accomplish what they're doing, not to the, you know, they're not improvising as much as they ever did on Mythbusters, but they're presenting a more solid argument and more consistent results. And it's the interaction of the three of them between each other that sells the show along with some pretty hilarious ideas that they're putting out there. Like one of them was, you know, the greatest escapes of all time. So they were doing jailbreaks and they were doing hot air balloon tests and they were, you know, sawing through concrete and things like that to try and figure out, you know, they'll come up with a rating scale for whatever thing they're testing. So in this particular case, it was how many people escaped how long did they stay escaped, and has it ever been repeated? Okay. So, you know, some of the jailbreaks. Oh, one person got out, and he was caught eight months later. So, mm-hmm. okay, not too high on the scale. Well, this one group of World War II uh, veterans, you know, 300 of them escaped, and they were out for six months. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that was weighted higher. Oh, that's cool. That. And it was, it's, it's a solid show. And it's got some humor, and they poke some fun at themselves, and it's, it's highly, highly recommended. Carrie still look good? Oh, yes. There's nothing better than a sciencey redhead. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's all I've really got for the show, Steve. I mean, for kind of an impromptu recording, we've already got 55 minutes minus about like a minute I need to cut out of the middle of this thing. What's going on in Florida? I don't know, man. What is going on in Florida? I think you should find out. All right, so uh, let me do this. All right, Steve. You got your pipe? Of course. You got your hat? Absolutely. Do you have your degrees in murderology and murderonomy? Always. Fantastic. Well, Steve, this is this week's Florida story of the week. So, Steve, let's say you're a Florida man mm-hmm. who has been sentenced to 10 years in prison for using stolen identity to obtain more than $300 in products and services from Verizon Wireless. Okay? Huh. 
This is going to be a little bit of a twist on Detective Steve. Oh. We're going to go to Lawyer Steve. Hmm. What's his defense? Right, what that. is what is the Florida man's defense? All right, run that past me one more time. Florida man sends. So this is from WFTV nine ABC in Florida. Florida man sentenced to 10 years in prison for using a stolen identity to obtain more than $300 in products and services from Verizon. 10 years for 300 bucks? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because he, I think it's because it's a stolen identity. Not so much of the grand, of the theft, but okay. more, more of that. Let me see. What is his defense? Um. So you're a Florida lawyer. It's, Okay. Where you think my life choices here for a minute? <laughs> um, let's see. What would he say to defend himself? I'm gonna go with he didn't know it wasn't his identity. Well, that's a good one. That 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 makes sense, but that that's not the case. Okay. I, I like where your head's at. That that's not it. He is seeking. It, he is seeking some damages in this defense as well. Give you a little bit of a. Hint there. Okay. So let me let me help you out on this too, okay? Because this isn't, this isn't going to give you the answer. He is suing as part of his defense. Okay. So he's counter suing Verizon. Yup. You're on the right track. What's he counter suing him for? <laughs> Why is he counter suing him? Because. They didn't double check that it wasn't him? Close enough. (laughs) He is suing the company for not stopping him. (laughs) James Leslie Kelly was convicted in October of grand theft and criminal use of personal identification information in connection with the May 7th, 2015 incident, according to court records. On that date, Kelly, 52 years old, went to Highlands County Verizon store and used his ID to steal from an existing customer with the same first and last name, but different middle name he claims in a federal lawsuit. The suit filed last week claims the Verizon employee spent an hour and a half with him and should have realized that the ID and information from the existing customer account did not match. Kelly claims Verizon's negligence caused a loss of civil liberties and freedoms because he was convicted and sentenced to prison in connection with the case. So you're the Florida lawyer. How much money are you seeking in... in, There's got to be more to it than that. How much are you seeking in money? $10,000. $72 million in damages. What the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> Kelly has a criminal history stretching back to 1985 when he was convicted of grand theft with a firearm and sentenced to two and a half years in prison. Between 85 and 2014, he was convicted at least 37 times on charges including rental property fraud, trafficking in stolen property, receiving money through fraudulent use of a credit card. As of Monday, Verizon had... I'm going to sue you because you didn't stop me. <laughs> That's exactly his defense. He'll probably fucking win. <laughs> it's a Monday Verizon had not responded to the lawsuit. So I don't know if it's really a defense, but he is countersuing. He's suing Florida. He's not He's not even countersuing. He's just suing Verizon. <sighs> oh, my God. Is it the heat? <laughs> it's the Gators. <laughs> the Gators live in other parts of the world, and they're not Florida. <laughs> they don't live in other parts of the world that don't have peninsulas. Florida's a peninsula. Indiana's a peninsula. There was a gator in Indiana a few years ago. Indiana's not a peninsula. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Don't argue with me, Jared. I know more about Indiana. It's when you're surrounded on three sides by water, not land. 
there's water on three sides of the So what you're saying, it's a land peninsula. Yeah. <laughs> surrounded by, it's surrounded by Illinois, Kentucky, and Michigan. <laughs> Could it have turned out any differently? <laughs> don't forget Ohio. I don't know what he wants to talk about Ohio. <laughs> you got anything else, Steve? Uh, no, just want to remind everybody to uh, support our artistically talented friends on Facebook, including Dork County featuring the art of Nick Prohl, SDK Artistry featuring the makeup stylings of our very own Anti-Nitro Summer, the musical stylings of David Aaron Boeing and Chris Moran. They are not affiliated with each other. I just didn't want to say the musical stylings of twice. <laughs> just did. Just did. Uh, and we also want to uh, encourage you to like and post about whatever you like on Facebook. And if we see it and like it, we'll talk about it. Listen to all the great shows on the Disease Network, including You're Gonna Get a Disease. Starring Luke, Nick, and Jonah. Um, that just happened. Starring Adam and Rodney. Something Gate. Starring us. Hooray. <laughs> now with 33% less Mama Claire. <laughs> Apparently. Speaking of Mama Claire and Anti Nitro, the Badge Dialogues. Starring Anti Claire and Mama Nitro. You want to try that again? <laughs> no, I like the way I said it. All right. Um, hooking Up. Starring David Merkel, and only David Merkel, because that's David Merkel's podcast. <laughs> David Merkel. Oh, and hopefully we get another Dosh Drunks in here sometime, uh, executive producer uh, Brendan Oprizetic. And be sure to watch out for the one-off shows. Um, we're going to be having one coming up on Rogue One. I'm sure we did one on Episode 7. Uh, we've been talking about doing a Rogue One episode, so I'm sure we're probably not going to be all yelly about it. I think everybody's... Well, I don't think there's as much of a dissenting opinion all right, yeah, all right, fair of enough. it. I think it's going to be more of like a love fest than anything. Yeah, well, I want to see it again before we do that, though. You want to see it again before that? Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, Steve, why don't you take us out of here? Well, remember that haters are going to hate, alligators are going to alligate. This has been something, Gate. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.